guys actually enjoy treating your customers like a piece of sh**? Because that's how I felt when I went to the Alamo Draft House. Okay? You know what? I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to text in your little crappy-ass theater. It was too f***ing dark in that place for me to find my seat, all right? I was using my phone as a flashlight to get to my f***ing seat. So excuse me for using my phone in USA, United States of America, where you are free to text in a theater. I was not aware that I couldn't text in your theater, all right? I've texted in all the other theaters in Austin, and no one ever gave a fuck about what me I was doing my fucking phone, all right? And it was on silent. It wasn't on loud. It wasn't bothering anybody. You guys, obviously, were being assholes to me, and I'm sure that's what you do, you know, to rip people off. You take my money, and then you throw me out. You know, I will never be... Coming back to your Alamo draft house or whatever, I'd rather go to a regular theater where people are actually polite. And, it, you know, I'm going to tell everyone about how you are. And I'm pretty sure you guys are being on purpose. So thanks for making me feel like a customer. Thanks for taking my money.
Phenom Radio is the home of the hottest indie music. Tune into the Phenom Radio Top 20 Countdown, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Razor sharp, Hutsu. Radio pause, Hutsu. When the sun... If I can actually build this at scale and it really does fundamentally teach an entire generation about how credit works before they even have to have access to it, like this feels bigger than me. My name is Evan Leapart and I am founder and CEO of Kitty Credit. So what we are at our core is a chore tracking app that teaches kids about credit. I was always an entrepreneur, but I was never building out like a tech platform at scale, so I really didn't know too much about it. The process, it was just really collaborative, right? Like talking to Chris, talking to Renato, they have VC type backgrounds. They know our conversations that we're gonna be having with investors, so they gave insights into design to say like, if you do this, this will make more sense to explain your vision for why you're trying to go from A to B and then from B to C. And it goes from being the cute kitty project to something that, ah, okay, I see what you guys are trying to do now. It was a lot easier with investor conversations. It was a lot easier to gain partners, upcoming clients. It's really been a big win for us. for these things, worked for them, and sought a place where they had a better chance of becoming real. For generations, Brockton has welcomed those seeking something better. From those who came in search of opportunity to today's multicultural population that makes us the most diverse community in all of New England. Brockton is a place where homes are more affordable, communities closer, where a strong and talented workforce fuels the success of businesses big and small, and the vision of a more diverse and equitable America is being realized every day. It's where ideas take root, businesses grow, Communities thrive. New beginnings unfold. And the promise of a better life is kept.
Brockton, Massachusetts. Where better begins. from under there. No! Come on. I saw a monster in the closet. There is no such thing as monsters. But I saw it. Jeff, could you come up here? Hey pal, it's time for bed. There's no such thing as monsters. Five days ago, a viral outbreak had happened in the city of New York that has continually started to spread quickly through the streets. 
At first, it appeared to be another strain of the COVID-19 disease and was being treated as such, but quickly it has become apparent that this is not COVID-19. It is a fast-acting viral strain that it infects the host immediately, and upon getting sick, the infected will become racked with coughs, sweat profusely, and start to get the shivers and chills while forming a temperature that rises upwards of 105 degrees. After an hour of contracting this sickness, the infected will immediately convulse into an epileptic seizure before expiring and dying. One hour after that, however, the infected will start to move again, but there will be no registered pulse or other form of life, and the infected will instantly become extremely aggressive and attack any nearby non-infected in an attempt to pass on the disease. All citizens are advised to remain in your homes and to not leave under any circumstances at all. National Guard forces are currently deployed, and all local law enforcement are tasked with taking down any aggressive infected they come across. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? It's your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You guys are watching the booth. I got to thank my listeners, viewers, and guests from last week. Last week's guest was uh, Kenneth Diesenhoff, Robert Resnick. Um, first Tuesdays, we talk political stuff. Also, I had a special guest, Amber Smith, who was on the show with me last night, uh, last week. And I got to say big ups to everybody who came out. There's a lot of podcasts out there that do things. But I'm very proud of my guy, Travis Partington. I produce his podcast, Oscar Mike Radio. He has gotten together with Amber Smith. And for our third year in a row, I Got Your Six, Two Lives was a success. It was a great event. For those who don't know what I Got Your Six is, I Got Your Six is a charitable organization where we find puppies in kill shelters. We save those puppies, train those puppies, and then we present them to veterans with PTSD, and it becomes their support dog. So we're looking for people all the time who want to step up and help out with the cause. Um, we're trying to spread our reach to different states. Uh, so because there's a lot of veterans, there's veterans in every in every state in this country. So we want to try to make this an event where we can help out veterans across the country. Um, so if you want to help us out, I got your six. Two Lives, Amber Smith, 
Travis Project, and I do have a picture up there to show. Also, my sponsors, Michael Douglas Barreto Electronics. If you've got a controller and you need it fixed and get back to gaming, send your controller out to him. 24 hours, 40 hours back to gaming. My rap artist, musical artist, R&B artist, Viana Marie, it's personal. 494,000 streams right now for her music library. Please go out, check her music out. She's actually performing at the Pink Out on October, October 21st here in Brockton. Also, Tactical Target Systems. If you need those zombie targets that you see I got at the range because I'm scared of the zombie apocalypse, you want to check those out. I love Boston Sports for a t-shirt. You can hang out in the chat and get with us. Also, those sexy photos you see of my artist, Viana Marie, that's Kimberly Ann Empowerment Photography. Ladies, if you want to go and take special boudoir photos and present them to a loved one, that's the woman to hit up, Kimberly Ann Empowerment Photography. Now, before I get into the news booth, I just want to show you this picture from Friday, Saturday night. I got your six. There I am with Amber Smith and Travis Proddington. We are very, very proud for this. Uh, accomplishment third year in a row and this time they actually had the two puppies there to present for the two veterans and um, I'm, I'm so ecstatic and psyched that we were able to do this but I'm also excited because I have my first guest on with me and she's like real tame and normal right now you 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 all have been seeing her on TikTok you've been seeing her on Instagram and she's been out performing live at these pop-up events and her energy is crazy. She's, oh my God, but she's just super calm right now. Introduce yourself. Let them know who you are, ma'am. Hi, everyone. Andy Mayhem. Thank you so much for having me, Sinister One. I'm so happy. So happy to have you on the show. And we've got a special, we got some special treats tonight. But um, Mandy's been around for a long time. A lot of people were seeing Mandy pop up on their timeline on TikTok and they're like, who's this older lady out here rapping? Who she thinks she is? Blah, 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 blah. And all this stuff. And they're hating on her. I actually defended Mandy in one of her posts on Instagram because somebody came at her because she recited a verse from Jay-Z and somebody said, oh, it's our culture and they were trying to cancel. I'm like, y'all act like you know rap and you don't even know that she's spitting a verse from Jay-Z. Like, she's not saying she's taking our culture. And first of all, people did their homework. They would have known that Man she had a show way back, which you can see on Tubi. It was rapping with Mandy, right? Or Mandy rapping with... Rapping with actors. Rapping with actors. And you had these yeah. people come in. How did that start? Let's talk about how this started. Because this was like, this was it right here for you. Yeah, well, I, ha I have two shows that I got made. One is called Mother, and it's a, a short-form comedy series about a housewife who fantasizes about being a rapper. And the show you're talking about is called Mandy Mayhem's Rapping with Actors, and that's an interview show where I interview actors about hip-hop. It's like a hybrid of an interview with some comment, like some sketch comedy and some games and stuff like that. A bit of a variety show. Um so I had both of those made in 2016, and that was after I had been doing hip-hop karaoke for, um, I guess, almost 10 years. I might have started doing that in, like, 07 or 08, and I they had, um, they had competitions at hip-hop karaoke, and I won back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back in Toronto, I think it was, like, 11, 12, 13, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. So I really honed my skills at that party. Like, we all took it very seriously. It wasn't, 
the way karaoke is now where there's tons of hip hop tracks and they just have the lyrics. It was like, you had to know the song and they would play the B side of the vinyl. All the DJs were, they had computers, but they would use vinyl if they could, if they had like the instrumental on vinyl mm -hmm. and you had to throw down. And like, I was just really good at it for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, cheerleading being one of them actually because I, I ran a cheerleading company for 10 years this is the Coles notes short short form version of my life but I ran a cheerleading <laughs> company for 10 years and I cheered in high school and university so the skills of a cheerleader are crowd control yelling rhyming words at drunk people throwing up hand signs you know it's like all the same stuff sports and hip-hop are very very closely related so it was mm -hmm. an easy transition for me and I did musical theater and all kinds of stage stuff as a kid so the I've been performing my whole life is the point. And I'm a trained actor, trained improviser, written for film and TV. It's just like all these skills, all these things that I did that seem to be kind of disparate have found each other in this one beautiful space all of a sudden. And it's been like fireworks. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy because you, you popped up and I'm like, she looks familiar because I'm seeing it. And I'm like, where do I where do I know this from? And then I Googled and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the girl from that. And then you had done a lot of stuff previously. And um, you would be we were off air. You were actually talking that you kind of really got your start doing spoken word, which yeah. I used to, you know, judge and, and do some poetry slam stuff at Massasoit. I used to be a person who used to do some judging there. Um, let's talk about that and how that how did that expand into this rap stuff? Yeah, um, I wonder. I was always writing poetry, um, and in university I studied literature, so poems, poetry, words. Big fan. <laughs> um, so I think I, after watching Eight Mile, I have a recollection of this moment. I got really inspired. And I wrote a poem about hip hop. And it was just about oh God, the way it made me feel. The kids break dancing, you know, when I was like eight or nine years old, the cardboard on the corner and um, the experience I had with this music that I felt like spoke to me so clearly, but maybe wasn't supposed to be meant for me. It was kind of like, I, I knew even then that I had a conflict with it. Um, or with like my love for it, it felt like it, you know, so I, um, I wrote that piece and I wrote a bunch of other pieces and I was finding that, that spoken word, I write in kind of a stream of consciousness way. Um, and then, you know, now I go back and edit and I play with my rhymes a lot more now just to try different styles and, um, you know, but back back to the spoken word component. So I did a couple of poetry slams. Uh, the very first one in Toronto uh, that I went to it was like an annual one that I think is still going, run by Dwayne. Um, oh my God, what's his last name? I forget his last name. Up from the Roots is the name of his company. So it was the mm -hmm. very first year. I think it was two thousand. I got up there and I did a piece about like my mother and a tree and how it was like all this internal musing and conflict within myself and all of this about like maybe becoming a woman or something like that. And then people held up numbers and one person gave me like a six and the other two gave me nines. And mm -hmm. I was like, Whoa, that 
that's like the biggest pain I've ever felt. Like I'd never mm-hmm. experienced putting my art out there in such a vulnerable way and having someone Put not like it. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to process that. And it shut me down and I stopped doing it. And now, now it's so crazy because I'm in this position where there's comments floating constantly on the screen mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's in my face the whole time. You know, it's been 20 years. I have a thicker skin, but it still, it still gets to me. So, so then the other thing that was going on with that slam was that everyone else was coming out and yelling. It was the, I don't know if you remember around the 2000s, but like Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. very aggressive, like yelling, you know? And then I went to another event maybe five years ago in Toronto just to check it out. I'm like, wow, it seems like this scene has really grown. And it was all these poets doing what I was doing, you know, in 2000, but I was the only one doing it. So I felt like I was wrong. I was getting it wrong. So I, and that, that was another reason I stopped. And so this has like been kind of a theme throughout my career of like not feeling like I'm fit because I'm so different and, and talking myself out of um, doing the thing because mm-hmm. it, I don't, I don't see myself reflected anywhere. Um, mm. But this time it's the, I'm on a train right now. That's not stopping. So at this point it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> It's crazy. Like, like I, I, I saw you pop up and um, I was like, okay, what is going on here? And then like the love that you're getting, like I saw this, I think I saw a video of you and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta stay with this and see what's going to happen. And then you would, you would went to New York and people were recognized, had recognized you and they were stopping you on the street in New York. And you know, it was great. Because one of the things I've always said about the black community is, you know, if we, if we, if people respect you, they're going to show you love. And mm. you were getting, you were in New York, you were getting a ton of love, and then you went back out to the California side, and I watched the video. It was a DJ event, and you, you did this legendary clitoris rap that you did. Yeah. <laughs> where, do, where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> Honestly, like, that line, I don't know. Like, I wrote, so that that phrase is from my show Mother, the comedy series. Um, there's a song I have called My Badge is the Truth, which is on my Spotify. And um, I don't know. I just was like, I got a legendary clitoris. I don't know why. I have no idea. I, I feel like it might have been a longer sentence that I just cut stuff out of. And then, like, those two words ended up together. But... Then when I was doing my live shows on TikTok, you know, people, the comments start to come and right. people were, were learning my song. And every time they would be saying legendary clears before I did, they loved that line. And I was like, <laughs> interesting. So this, this song that I have that's dropping is called legendary. Mm-hmm. It's coming out November 1st. And it's really interesting because it's like a combination of all these freestyles that, I pulled from different freestyles the the bars that people were responding to. So it feels like a really collaborative effort choosing mm-hmm. the the verses that went into this song. It's like a it's like pieces of three or four different freestyles. Man, and, and you're working hard. And like I said, you know, I see a lot of people. Sometimes people come on and they look at the the texture and the color of somebody's skin, and then they want to assume. And then and, and like I said, if you've been following you. 
you you know you're you're in the studio right now with some legends and you know I see how you're doing this stuff I see how you're you're rapping and I'm like this you know she knows her stuff people you, you know you got you got to stop trying to cancel her this woman's been around she's got respect for the for the for the art um and you've you've done this you've been doing this for a like you said you've been doing this for a very long time since since 8 mile um and the fact that you've been do you know the fact that you've been doing this so long is just yeah. is crazy now you, you know you're you're doing something right now that a lot of women are doing you're 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 putting the power back into the woman's bars lyrics you know you're you're singing about some stuff that I'm pretty sure do you ever have women in your inbox talking about oh I wish you wouldn't rap about that that's a little too much have you had that yet yeah, um, it's both women and men. I would I wouldn't say it's one more than the other. Um, I got a I got a message the other day from somebody that I know actually who said it was juvenile and that it demeaned me as an artist and that he thinks there's more to me than what I'm doing and that's a really common narrative. Um, and no, you know, people don't know what they don't know, but it's a common narrative to. Um, I think silence women from expressing their sexuality. And when you have a pendulum that the pendulum swinging, that's been so far in one direction for so long in terms of misogyny and women not having a voice and still not having a voice in so many countries, hip hop is still a voice of, of um, against oppression. It still is that voice. It still is an underground voice that helps people in countries all over the world to speak to oppression. It's incredible that it's been around for this long and is still empowering people in this way. And I don't feel like it's any different in America. You know, it's still so heavily connected to black culture. Why? Because black people are still oppressed in America. Of course, that is a is a an avenue that people want to take in order to express themselves. So like my vagina has a lot to say and it's like there's been many many years of my life where i felt controlled by all kinds of different situations and experiences that i had where people were in control of my body and i was not and now it's like she has a voice and there's like an, it's an alter ego of sorts and it's coming from that area of my body and when she's finished speaking then my lyrics will change but until she has said what she needs to say they're going to stay there and when I look at women in rap um, today, I think that a lot of like what's happening is, um, you know, very individual, obviously. But there's a reason why collectively women's voices are are making this very loud statement about pussy power or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And it's because we have felt I don't want to speak for anyone else, but my thesis is that it's because it, we haven't had a voice. And so that voice needs to just continue to yell and scream until it's out. And we feel like there's, we're moving in a direction that feels like um, there might be some equality at some point, but we've been in this hip hop. It's just been like from one perspective for a really long time. And mm -hmm. I know people are saying that in women in hip hop, it doesn't feel balanced because there is so much sexual content. And I, I just posit that it's like a trauma response to the years of abuse that we've taken from um, the hip hop community and the patriarchy. Um, 
there ha I mean, there have been some incredible MCs that are women lovers and so many beautiful songs and lyrics that are like about love and like it's definitely not all one sided, but there's been a lot. Like one of my favorite MCs growing up was Big Daddy Kane. Mm-hmm. And, but like Pimpin' Ain't Easy is problematic. <laughs> Like, when you're 13, you know, or however old I was, it's like, I don't, I don't know about this, but I really, like, my friends are all singing it, so, like, and actually, I remember being at my cousin's house, and that's the first time I heard that song, and all, I was sitting with all the boys, because I was with my cousin and all his boys, and we were in somebody's basement in Pickering, um, just outside of Toronto, and they're playing the song and they all the boys were going, anything goes when it comes to hoes because Pam is easy. Pam is easy. And I was like, Pam is a, who is Pam? Pam was a friend of theirs. So they were singing oh. this song about this girl. <laughs> and so it's really weird to be like in that environment. But then also hearing someone talking about a woman, it's confusing because I want to be part of the boys, but I'm not. Um, right. Wow, you know. that's that's a power. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful, and it's funny because um, Vianna Marie, um, the artist that I manage, um, she actually had me um, watch this thing about women in rap and you know coming up and how the you know how when WAP came out and how all of a sudden all these male rappers and everybody was just real quick to knock the song down when you've had years and years and years of guys talking about you know dominating women and talking about their penis sizes and things of all that sort. Now women come out and put it in your face, make millions of dollars and you got a problem with it. And that was that's the hypocrisy of this whole, you know, this whole thing. It's almost like that, you know, stay in stay in the kitchen and cook type of thing, you know, when 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 you try to speak up. Um and it's, you know, it's it's it like I said you you know a lot. You know a lot about this industry and I know you've probably been through a ton of stuff um, in the industry behind the scenes, you know, every woman has a story, you know, I'm Viana Marie, who was actually was going to do a thing with me. We're actually going to still probably talk about this um, in one of my stories tonight in the legal booth, um, like Jason Derulo, he has a lawsuit going on with him right now because he had this girl in the studio and allegedly um, he tried to drug her and wanted her to have sex with him and he refused. She refused. So he, blacklisted her so her career wouldn't go anywhere and put the word out and you know a lot of people say well that doesn't happen but it does happen unfortunately that type of stuff does happen in the industry that's why we had the hashtag me too movement and things of that sort so again people i'm on here with mandy mayhem who i know you guys are all tuning in if you see mandy on tiktok she's wild she's crazy and like she said that's her that mandy mayhem is her kind of alter ego, so she's kind of tame. But I'm going to ask Mandy if she can bring the alter ego out and just give us a little taste <laughs> on the booth tonight. Just kind of let it go. Whatever comes to mind or whatever you got that you've done before, mm. and just let it go. Are you asking for a verse? Anything, whatever you want to do. I want I want people to see that have never seen you on TikTok or anything. Right? There's a lot of ladies oh. in the chat right now. Viana Marie, actually, my artist Viana Marie, she's in the chat. Emily, I see you in the chat. Kevin Jeffries, Audrey, what's going on? DJ Boom, Bobby, Bobby's in here. Uh, Macedo, Doug Macedo. Wow, we got a lot of people in the chat. Uh, Kevin nice. Jeffries, host of Happy Hour with Lido. Nice. I'm just gonna let you let you roll. Just gonna let you roll with it. 
Okay. Do you know what the first thing that came to my mind is in 2016, I released a song called Where My Bitch Is At because um, what, what we're talking about. So I think I'm going to do a verse from that, even though it's okay. like maybe not my best shit because I didn't just write it. It's like old, but I like right. it. So I that. Okay. Um, I wax poetic when rocking Bob me about the drum beat meets my frequency nicely. I might be the Messiah who jiggles a vagina like Miley Cyrus in a gospel choir. I aspire to be the milf that keeps pecking a man. I'm skipping over this beat, tripping between the fat tats and the red like a stealth through an obstacle course busting down the doors calling you to the floor like a siren i'll bring you lyrical intercourse mm. <laughs> and like you said you you've been doing this for a long time and i just saw you post you you trying to get to perform at the cbgb which is a legendary spot you, you want to talk about that post because that post was pretty funny <laughs> just yes. one of the dreams <laughs> Because it's closed, A, yeah, uh, exactly. that problem. Um, two, I posted pictures of myself lying on the floor in the bathroom, which is legendarily the most disgusting bathroom maybe of all time in any club. And people are like thinking that I was actually in there doing a photo shoot, which is not what happened. I, I, I've, I've made a collage. It's very simple on your phone. You just use a couple of quick little chooty tooties and then there you go. So I like to like, I like to do that make collages i actually before i started doing all this rap shit rap shit rap stuff um (laughs) i was i got bored of posting selfies so the algorithm prior to what the algorithm is doing now mostly videos with the photos i don't know if you know about this but there was this whole thing with the left cheek selfie so Mm -hmm. uh instagram was prioritizing anything with a left cheek selfie above whatever else you posted and kicking it out to more people and your followers. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thing. So you, if you notice like the reason that like people like to like pictures of their friends, they like to be like, Oh, it's you. I love you. Let me like that. So that's another thing that happened with engagement. So it was this weird like thing that happened with the algorithm where it was like selfies were the only thing that were getting likes. Hence people posting more selfies because they're looking for that dopamine hit. So I was aware of like what was going on with the algorithm at the time and like, you know, trying to play with it. And as an actor, I'm the product that I'm selling before I was like doing mostly music. I still am, but okay, different, just my face. So I started like posting photos of myself but i would put like a a selfie but the background would be like green beans like a picture of green beans that i took at the grocery store or like i don't know a train station and i would put little piece versions of myself all over the train station then i started cutting things out from magazines and making physical collages and then photographing them and then putting the cutouts of these photo shoots i was doing just because you have to do them as an actor and making collages so this is like an old an old artistic expression of mine. And I'm Mm. one of the things I've learned with going viral and needing to keep up with those numbers to keep the opportunities coming to make music and release songs and whatever, um, is that it has to be sustainable for you artistically. So it's really easy to get burnt out posting every day. It's the point. So I have to find ways to create the things that I'm posting that make me feel inspired. 
Otherwise, mm. they just kind of land flat too. So the thing with CBGBs is like, you know, I'm not at a level yet where I'm I can go on tour. I just like um, nobody believes in me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, you know, Live Nation isn't like let's go. Here's you know ten tour dates. It's like I'm still building. It's not even been a year yet. Right. But in my in my heart, I'm ready to hit the road. I've got enough material because I've been have, you know for so long been working material. Um, so I'm doing like shows here and there, but I'm creating this like fantasy world where I'm on tour in my pictures and in my feed because, like, let's face it, I opened for the um, the Far Side in LA mm-hmm. like in April and. There were 200 people there. It was totally sold out. It was a great experience. But I went live at the same time for my like 11 minute set. And there was 19,000 people that watched on my live. See? So it's like I actually don't, even when I do get to go and tour, I'm never going to do the numbers. Well, maybe not never, but like I was doing a million people a month on TikTok in my live show. I've had nights where it's been 170,000 people in an hour co- coming through my show. So yeah. I'm never going to do those numbers. So it's almost like creating a concert tour in, in social media is like actually where I live and where my fans live. And it's really interesting because I want to connect with people in real life, but like numbers wise, it's, not it doesn't make sense almost so i'm creating um, a fake show show essentially. Uh, recording artist vianna marie um she says girl i feel you with a heart she said that's what's up talking about the, the you know the tiktok numbers and like i said yeah it, it's crazy because you know you've been around for so long but you just tiktok you just became this like overnight sensation phenomenon like out of the blue people were talking about hey who's this older white lady rapping on yeah. on TikTok, you know, and then yeah. and then you know people click click click, and then all of a sudden you're part of that algorithm and you're popping up, everything you do, and like you said, it's it's tough, it's tough to keep the content going. You actually had posted one time that you know f you algorithm, I really don't really want to be doing stuff today, which I found <laughs> yeah. was funny because you know anybody who's you know on TikTok and you know you see a lot of these people you know getting famous from TikTok. It is hard, you know, the, the, the yeah. you know, you see the um, Logan Paul and his brother, you know, they got they got popular off of Vine, but it was the same with them. They just had to keep content, 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 content. And, yeah. you know, eventually they branched out and started doing WWE and the boxing and things of that sort so they can have this fresh content. But it it is, it's got to be hard. It's got to be kind of nerve wracking to try to wake up and, and see, you know, like Vianna Marie said in the chat, she said, finally, you're seeing the benefits of your hard work. Mm. So, so how does that feel? I'll put that as a question. How does it feel seeing those benefits of the hard work? Yeah. Well, two things. First, I want to say it's crazy that you brought up Jake and Logan because I'm working with their advisor who actually worked with them from Vine to, um, you know, where they are now, essentially, they stopped working together at some point, but he found me on, on Instagram and he had retired. He wasn't going to work with anyone anymore, but he's super spiritual. And just, we had like a spiritual connection. He's like, I feel like you're, what you're doing 
is going to bring a lot of light and joy to the world. And I want to help you. So that's crazy that you bring them up. Um, mm. But how does it feel? You know, I've been really thinking about this the last few days because I have been burnt out. Um, I'm coming up the November 1st, the single coming out is one year to the day that I started going live on TikTok. And um, I think I need to adjust my metrics because I'm not sitting back and being like, oh, thank God it's finally happening. I'm more like, oh my God, is this going to go away? Like everything else has come and gone, you know, and the career does this. Like, it doesn't matter what your career is. It, it, it does this, but it's been like such a grind for so long. You know, I'm 48 years old and I'm ready to not worry about paying the rent. Like I'm, I'm ready for that part of my artistic life to be right. over. And I'm not there yet. I'm still like fundraising to shoot music videos and to get a flight home. And like, you know, I have this incredible community who they, they buy me like packaged food so that I'm not, you know, it's like that still. So, you know, it's, it's like incredible. I have these, the moments are when I'm in the subway, like, I had two moments on the subway this past week where I was sitting there and somebody across from me, this woman across from me, she was traveling with her suitcase and she had her pillow in a garbage bag. And I was looking at her and thinking she was a young woman and Nova was her name. And um, I was like, man, I know that feeling. Like I still feel like I'm hauling my stuff around. I'm taking the train to the studio and all like trying to find a place to stay and crashing on couches and doing all these things. And like, um, I know the feeling and she's probably 21, you know, and I'm still there. So there's that aspect of it that can be really draining. But so I was looking at her and then I just was minding my business and she goes, excuse me, are you the lady? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and her face just lit up. Like there was so much joy. And she's like, I love you. And I was like, what's your name? She said, Nova. And then I said, I'm Mandy. And she's like, I know. And it was like, that's, I, I almost got teary, like just being like the love in her face. Like, and that, I don't get to see that when I'm on live or just posting right. videos, you don't know. Right. And the other one was just a woman at the other end of the subway. I was coming in from Brooklyn and, and she, I looked up at her and she was looking right at me and she had that same look in her eye, mm -hmm. you know, like that love reflected back was super crowded train. And like, I smiled at her and, and that I actually did cry when I saw her. <laughs> Cause there was just so much love and it's like, man, I appreciate, I appreciate it. I really do. And, and I think what there's, it's not the, it's, they're seeing my love for the art form and my love for like my life mm -hmm. and my commitment to my life. And they're reflecting that back to me. And, and that's, I, that's the powerful thing. The other stuff, like, meeting the celebrities and working with the people who are my heroes is incredible, but feels like accurate. It feels like I've put in the work, like 10, 15 years of training, you know, the degree in literature, the acting training, the hours and hours and hours I've spent covering other people's songs to learn all the different styles of, of, of how to rap. And like, it's all coming together. That feels accurate. And, and it's part of my like artistic sort of desire in life to continue to work with people who are pursuing their art form with the same amount of passion and 
and love and focus and discipline that I am. And that's who I'm attracting. And that makes sense to me because it's like, yeah, a name, but like when we get in the studio, are we vibing? Because we're both like, it's about the music and nothing else. Yes. hundred hmm. percent. That's right. amazing. The rest Vianna of it Marie, is like hard. Vianna Still. Marie says, amen and amen. Um, we got a lot of people in the chat here. I want to thank everybody for, for hanging yeah. out with us. Um, but it, you know, it's great having you on, and I, I love that you shared a lot of this stuff with us. How can people, I, and I know I've mentioned TikTok, but still, tell people about their social media where they can follow you and find you. Yes. Okay, so on Instagram, I'm Manda Murhead, M-A-N-D-A-M-U-R-H-E-A-D, which is a nickname I got as a little kid. Of course, I didn't think of that when I set up my Instagram account in, like, 2007. <laughs> um and then on TikTok, I'm like, it's all a mess. On TikTok, I'm Ms. M.S. Mandy May Cheatham, which is my name. But if you search Mandy Mayhem, you can yeah, find me. Up. Like, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of impersonators. But if somebody asks you if you want a psychic reading, that's not me. Yeah, I see them all on Facebook. It's it's kind of craziness, craziness stuff there. And um, <clears throat> Viana Marie says in the chat, she says, amen. And amen. Uh, my recording artist, Viana Marie, as I said, her music is out there everywhere on Spotify. Um, she's performing on October 21st at the Pink Out. And she could she could definitely sit down and tell you some stories, too. Um, she's, you know, yeah. she's a she's a mom. You know, mm. she's a mom of, of kids, five kids. And, um, you know, she's been through a lot of the, the same stuff that you're talking about right now in the business and in the industry to, you know, sometimes I just kind of shake my head, head at some of the stupidity that goes on out there. Uh, um, yeah. and it's just, you know, it's just, it's just craziness. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the hard work, you know, the hard work waiting for it to pay off. And I also have Kevin Jeffries. Now Kevin Jeffries is in the chat. He hosts a show called, Happy Hour with Lito, the triangle offense, and he, I'm going to borrow a page from his question because you talk about the things that you're going through, the algorithms going up and down, mm-hmm. and he always asks his guests on his show, how is your mental health today on a scale of 1 to 10? Mm. <laughs> oh, there's a, oh, there was a chuckle in the background. This, yeah, this is going to get funny. <laughs> we'll have him come on in a second, but... <laughs> Today, you know what? That's so funny because I, I guess you could average it out over the course of a day, but I kind of go minute to minute. Like I'm in a pretty good place right now because this is fun and we just were working on music and these two brilliant artists that were in here today are like creating something magnificent and I feel really blessed um, about that. A couple auditions today, but yesterday, I don't know, and maybe even the day before, uh, there's the whole period situation, the hormonal, uh, the hormonal factor that comes into the whole mental health thing is no joke. Um, so yeah, I, I would say today, today I'm at an eight in terms of my um, my feeling fulfilled with what I'm doing. Yesterday I was probably at a six, and I went live yesterday and. You know, some of the comments, you never know what's going to get you. And yesterday it was um, somebody talking about me not chasing the beat when I was, it was like a new freestyle that I, uh-huh, I've i written right. that I was trying out on a, on a beat that I'd never tried it with before. 
so that made me crazy and I started losing my mind on Cause, that. Because cause, cause every, everybody out here that leaves comments, they all know, you know, they've been in the rap game for over 20 years, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, it, that's, yeah. that's my biggest thing about comments on the internet, that everybody is a, is, is a perfectionist out here. They all know what to do out here. They all have their career. You know, it's what yeah. hat are they going to put on today? <laughs> yeah, I know. And they can, and they can, the comments can be so, and I've seen it, I've seen it on Viana, you know, I've seen the comments on a lot of people, a lot of guests on this show, you know, it's like, sometimes people get in the comments and all of a sudden they're the, the Superman a-holes, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just, it's just horrible, um, and sometimes when people will say, well, just shut those comments off, but for me, I, I'm like, I want people to see that stupidity and that hate for me. I want people to see that yeah. there's people out there like that. But um, Well, you need to have the comments because it's part of the algorithm. It's what makes the machine run. So it, you can't just shut them off. And when you're performing live, you can't shut that off either. It's just part of right. the, the deal. You can do a sub-only chat, a subscriber-only chat. Um, but... You know, I was that was the thing I was talking about in my live last night is like it has been almost a year of some of the most incredible things happening. You know, mostly the incredible things are happening when I'm getting to make music and be in my art, whether that's in the show or making new songs. Uh, but also it's been a year of abuse. Like it's flat out abuse. My friend was saying I was like, you know, I'm performing and there's there's um, comments running along the bottom the whole time. And I'm, I, you just catch them. You can't help but not catch them because the screen is this big. And she's like, oh, I guess it's like when I'm reading a legal document, I'm trying to focus on, she's a lawyer, and my emails are pinging, 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 pinging. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yes, imagine that. But every time an email comes in, it's like, you're old, you're ugly, you don't know what you're doing, you should go to bed, what drugs are you on, you have mental health issues. Like, can you imagine? Like, that's actually what is happening with the maybe it's probably five or six million people that have gone through my live show mm -hmm. and that's you know coming out so it's it's like um i don't have an answer i'm not going to fix the world and it's probably never going to go away so i'm just trying to keep working on what the triggers are and make them right. not upset me as they come in and um build a thicker skin and and you know maybe i was talking with paul Pesco, who's here um, playing guitar for me, he was Madonna's guitar player and Hall and Oates, um, uh, like just so many Buster Rhymes, like all these tracks that you know the guitar lick. It's him. He mm. did the, I think it's the NFL guitar lick that's in there. Like, oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. He's da, 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 amazing. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah, exactly. nice. Yeah. Well, well, for those for those who are in your comments, I got something for you. Here you go. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop. <laughs> Stop doing Perfect. that. Stop. Perfect. Um Stop. so Stop. that's a good segue since you're talking about people. Is he is Keith ready to come on with you? Yes, sir. Oh I'm getting I'm getting this I'm getting excited right now. I'm getting yo. <laughs> I'm gonna let this I'm, yo. Y'all have no idea who's about yo. to come on here. Yo, cause because <laughs> I was actually just riding around in vengeance with this music on. And a lot of people didn't even know what I was playing because it's back of the old school. Let it, let let him scoot over. <laughs> come on over a little bit more. No, you can, can stay in with him. He can come over just a little bit more. I gotta get him on. Oh yeah, <laughs> sir. Oh my God! Please introduce yourself. Oh my God! This is crazy. Please introduce yourself, sir. 
Should, should I put on my uh, Ray Charles shades? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> we got a legend up in here. And, and I've got a couple of questions. Uh, working with uh, my girl Mandy, Keith Shockley, Public Enemy Bomb Squad. You're actually in my studio right now. Oh. Um, I, can show, I, I can show you the uh, kind of the work center over there. I got a little, nice. little setup. Yeah. Got a little setup. There's a little, a little, little something in here. My tech so, game. And it's, it, my tech game is off the this, frame. Yeah. My this tech is crazy because who would have thought that I would be sitting here on a Tuesday night talking to Key Shockley, one of the members of Public Enemy, Hank Shockley, the famous. Look, look, look. I was just driving around in Vengeance the other night. Night of the Living Bassheads. I had that bumping. Bumping, neither living bases, and then I was feeling different, and I had on when you guys went I overseas. Spoke a lot of crack during that video. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was the, the actual face in that video. <laughs> the the live the live version. I actually when you guys went overseas, I had was the live version of when you guys did bring the noise with Anthrax, which a lot right. of people don't know um, that that. That mashup, that was the that was kind of the start, the first start of that rap rock, cause rock was getting a lot of, they were getting beat up too at that time, at that time of era of rap and, and when you guys put that together, can you just tell people how big that was, that that mix of Public Enemy and Anthrax, especially overseas, cause you guys went and performed in a country where there was a war. And you all yeah. shut it, they shut it down for. Yeah. And then they said, "Listen, we're stopping this war. Public enemies here." <laughs> <laughs> it's it kind of. I didn't do too much traveling, but but the concept of that was, you know, I gotta give gotta give shout out to the Kings of Rock, my homies run, um, DMC, and uh, my, my 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 other homie RIP, my man Jam Master J. But they kind of they kind of laid the they kind of laid the law to that, um, with with that. It's just that when we got to it. I mean, then you got to give a shout out to the BC Boys, who was a punk rock band. Mm -hmm. So before mm -hmm. they became rappers, so I mean, we was always in that culture, you know, the culture of that, and and that's why I led up to the Anthrax. And growing up on Long Island, we um, we grew up around Twisted Sister and all of them, so we was always mm -hmm. into this shit. And We're and not yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so I mean. You, Long Island's a mixture. You know, you got the hood, you got the super rich, and you got the hood right next to each other. Like, the, right next to mm -hmm. each other. And people don't even understand that. It's how crazy that is. You know, we talk about the Hamptons, where everybody used to hang out at, all the super rich. You had to go through the poor neighborhoods, which was Southampton, to get to the Hamptons. So you had mm -hmm. the indigenous people, which is Indigenous Day. Oh, that was yesterday. That was Indigenous yesterday. Day was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and, but... We had all that, and then our, our rock roots was, was bananas. So um, when Anthrax decided to do the remake of that, truthfully, that put us on another stratosphere in the white audience. Mm -hmm. that, yes, it then, did. That, that, then, that, that got us known bigger, and that's when Bono and, and, uh, and, and YouTube and uh, YouTube, YouTube mm -hmm. asked us, to open up for them, y'all don't even understand that shit. That's what we was, and we was, we just right. we was like in the rock world by that now that time. So mm -hmm. you know, getting down, getting down in front of hundreds of thousands of people with YouTube, 
before festivals, y'all people don't even understand that well. Mm. So um, we've always been in the rock. We had songs like "Sophisticated Bitch" on the first album, Rock Jam, mm -hmm. uh, where my man Vernon Reed from Living Colors played the guitar lines on that. And we always was rocking, you know, doing a lot of rock music. So um, it's a DJ man. Oh man, we didn't get into that. So yeah, so it, 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 <laughs> that that song. That song with Anthrax just transcended and set us in a whole new, whole new blaze of world in the rock world. Yeah, yeah, and and you came from an era. I gotta ask you this question because you know right now on on social media, everybody always wants to put the list of the greatest of all time, the best. And you know I see all these people throwing back, oh the greatest of all time rap producers, and there's always a name missing from the rap producers, and I get aggravated as hell because. Yeah, I love my Dr. Dre. Don't get me wrong. Everybody always wants to put Dr. Dre at the top of the list. Then they want to put, you know, Atlanta. And I feel like y'all are ignorant because one of the guys who produced <laughs> some good music is Rick Rubin. Why does this man not get the respect that he deserves when you talk about producers? There's so many people that Rick Rubin had put on through that Def Jam label and coming up when you guys were all coming up. Rick Rubin was this guy, Beastie Boys. Why does he not get that respect that he deserves when you talk about the top 10 rap producers of all time? Because it bugs the shit out of me. Because rap is a black game. <laughs> like, we, we, we're so hung up on black, white, and that. We don't give a shit. Rick, you know, Rick had concepts come from Long Island, too. Rick grew up two towns away from us. So this is all Long Island motherfuckers we talking about. So... Mm -hmm. He, he doesn't get it because people don't see it because he was more or less the man that created Dev Jam along with Jazzy J. Don't forget that. I got to give it to the Bronx for that piece. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so he, I mean, nobody really sees that part of it or, you know, just doesn't get it. I, and I can't, I can't figure out why people don't get it. But, but I think another motherfuckers forget about is another motherfucker that's kind of dope, that is dope that we patting out, we kind of admire. Motherfucking Marley Maul. Mm. I don't hear his name come up no goddamn way. Mm -hmm. and, and all these motherfuckers making beats, they know that shit. And I, I can get on my soapbox in a heartbeat because I've been doing it long <laughs> enough. But they don't, well, give Marley, they don't give Marley enough dude. And I like, yeah. you know, pisses me off. Isn't it like, you know, the, the producer as as a celebrity didn't happen until a different era of hip hop. Like you guys started the idea of like a group as producers. Right. That was mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. was your era. So that was a specific type of of fame that you had as producers. But like, you know, later on became. So I think the conversation around that maybe happened, even though Rick Rubin's been producing this whole time. He didn't create a even though his persona is also like a caricature. He he didn't like really pursue that as a I am a celebrity in my own right kind of deal. I I don't know. That could be part of it. You know, as a white well, artist in this game, I feel what you're saying also, but you know. But we had we had we had white rappers. Third base. Third, I was rocking I was rocking third base. I was rocking third base the gas face. You want me to go a bit crazier? Well, <laughs> young black teenagers. Oh, it was a white group. Oh, they was on. They was on BT Rap City. And we call we call them. They had one of the dopest shows back then. Growing coming up, and we called them black teenagers. 
and every black person lost their goddamn mind. <laughs> and it wasn't about being the color black. And a lot of times, I go through this right now with black people. They don't understand terminology. They just see the things that they want to see. So we call the young black teenagers white. We call them black because they was dark. All a lot of them been in trouble, jail, and all that other shit. And that's why we call them black. And they just happened to be teenagers at the time. No different than having a group called Black Sabbath that played rock music. They're still black. They still call themselves black. We get caught up in the stupid shit, and then we get caught up into not having enough information about things. You know, mm. I, I had a, I had a, I had an issue this, I had an issue this morning. I, I had an issue earlier, being on Instagram, and the, and it's a, this is about sometimes black people don't understand. They don't do enough research. And they get things in their head. They get things in their fucking head that, well, this is what I know. And it was a thing that Method talked about how he did um, M-E-T-H-O-D Man. And he was taking all the artists that he took, um, that he used some of their lyrics for that song. And the, and one of the thing was he took the, um, um, uh, uh, um, the was the Beatles, not the Beatles. Rolling um, Stones. The Rolling Stones. Who, who song was that? That was get off uh, my cloud. Yeah, get off my. Can yeah. you get off my cloud? Now let me tell y'all, black people piss me off on this. I don't get on people's chat and say shit, <laughs> but when I see stupid shit, I gotta say shit. They didn't. Re- they kept saying it was the dramatics because nobody wanted to give it credit that he took it from the Rolling Stones. Hey, you get off my cloud, but the Rolling Stones made a song that wrong so the dramatics made a song but um hey you get off my mountain hey you get off mm-hmm. my cloud that is not hey you get off my cloud but people were still adamant that it was d- d- dramatics and it wasn't <laughs> and it was debating people that was putting things in there that was true and they was debating like it was wrong that's the problem they get we get hung up on and they didn't want to believe it was a white group Granted, Method said it was Bootsy, but the song came out '65. Bootsy became popular like later '60s when he was with James and and, and all that. And he was young at that time because people forget that Bootsy Bootsy might he might have did the song over, but I didn't find it. Um, But it was the Rolling Stones, and anybody had a problem. This is these are my things I get. I, I deal with. I can I can deal with a lot of facts. Mm. Been mm. doing this shit since '74. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hip hop started as we say. Hip hop started in '73. I don't let me get on that one. Mm. <laughs> right, right. But we're, we're, we're glad. We're, we're still glad that we're celebrating that 50 years. Yeah. We're still yeah. glad to be celebrating still 50 celebrate years. 50 years. Yeah. And, and 50 you know years of everybody's uh, of everybody's version of hip hop, which is cool. But where you at? You know, you got the Latin cats thinking it started there. And it's funny, it's I, funny I, because you know, when rap came to be and, and, you, and it started, you know, it took me back because I remember growing up in Boston early on, and I remember my dad would have the albums, and you know, the album that always came up to me was The Last Poets. My dad had these two Last Poets album, and they had this rap on there. You know, spoken poetry when the revolution comes. When the revolution comes, and you know, that's 
that's like that really early stuff right there. Um, to see where rap is today, when people would say it would fall off, it wouldn't be here, and you know it's here for 50 years. It's also the most dominant in fashion. Um, it's crazy. You guys even brought a fashion sense, even though you know pu public you know public enemy had this whole thing where you know people became knowledge of self with public enemy. Yeah. That was one of the well, things I we, liked. You know, <clears throat> we growing up, the nation of Islam was strong in a, in our black communities, and this is Long Island, dominant white. Blacks is in certain sections, and people don't even realize that shit. Um, we're, we're grouped in certain areas. So having that concept of during the growing up in the like growing up in the late 60s through the early 70s and the black pride and you know we dealing with fucking Panthers, the Black Panthers and segregation and still you know still going on in a in a in a way uh in Los Angeles Long Island and you couldn't you couldn't go you still couldn't go to certain neighborhoods without being harassed and shit like that mm -hmm. so you know we we kept that and we thought that my brother who's a brilliant genius at this was that was that was a great angle to come with you know um to put <clears throat> a little pride back in to what we were doing <clears throat> At the same time, he wanted to sell some fucking music too. Right, <laughs> it's still an economic, right, right. It's still an economic thing here too. So just to keep that going, and I went to private school, so we know the difference. You know, um, we I have mad white friends, man. Then you know, I got some park stories, but I ain't gonna go to that. But you know, just <laughs> keeping that, just keeping that that whole system of that with with black people, and then. Coming in, uh, doing the young black teenagers was a white group to stir the pot <laughs> and stir the whole pot. And at the same time, I do know good rap lyrics. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and you, you right here with her. You here with her right now. That's why I went bandy. I know, I know good rap lyrics. So, and I and I see things, and which is, and this is the crazy, unusual combination. Mm -hmm. Yo. When we finish with this shit, you know the motherfuckers gonna be like, "Why couldn't you work with me? Why couldn't you?" <laughs> I'm gonna be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, I want you." This shit stirs up the pot, mm, which right, is cool. Right. I, I like Damn. that. I like to think of it as built as building bridges. I have this line in a song we're working on. It's like, um, build um, you know, building bridges. Uh, cons you know, consistently pushing buttons to build my bridges. Connection is the new resistance. I think that that's, you know, there's lots of ways to resist, but the most powerful one is building bridges and connecting. And I think we've been just segregated emotionally uh, for too long and, and on, on thinking we're on different sides, but we're on the same side. So, yeah, and then, and then within that, I always got through the, the, the what I call the 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 Frankenstein in the room. Yeah, you want to fuck shit up too. <laughs> We're fucking you want to fuck shit up, obviously. And God, God, yo, because I know I don't give a fuck about comments. I can curse in here, right? Because I've been cussing for the long. Oh yeah, no, no, no. You can, you can. It's a live show. I don't show. give a fuck about people's comments. I just can't stand when people comments, and I know for a fact are fucking wrong. 
and and when people don't have enough knowledge or education about shit, they just spew out shit. Mm -hmm. So fucking up shit in the paradigm and the dime. Keep why are you working with an old white woman? Um, because I I'm an old black man. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Talent is talent when I hear, it, you know, and I and and, and and when I want to work with it and cultivate. Not even Carl ain't got to cultivate her. We just trying to figure out what we want to do. That's dope. So right, and, right, right. And then and then there's things that I I like to do just to fuck up the paradigm of all the producers that I fuck with. And then why are you dealing with that? I'm just going to show you why. I can do the fuck I want. <laughs> I can work with who I want. Oh, so it's, man. It's a, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing to, to, to interrupt the balance of power. And if it's yeah. done right, you know, it's done right with marketing and everything, you know, it can interrupt the balance of power. And and like I said, the numbers she's you know she's staying busy on TikTok. She's all over the place, man. We this interview went longer than I thought it was only supposed to be ten minutes. We went the whole full hour. We got blessed with Keith Shockley, a public interview. This was crazy. This was crazy. I still got the rest of my show to do after this. Uh, but I want to I want to thank you guys for coming on again. Shout out anybody you want to shout out, Mandy. Oh, shout out to Keith Shockley. Shout out to Paul Pesco, who's sitting over Yo, here in the corner. Super guitar player. Incredible guitar player. Um, shout out to Madonna. I hope we get to collab someday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yo, don't, don't go there, because I can, I, can I can throw a monkey wrench in there. No, stop game. it. Um, also, I have a show in LA on the 14th this Saturday. Also, there's virtual tickets available. So when you Google Mandy Mayhem, check the links in my bios for those tickets. If you want to join, I'm going to be performing my song "Legendary" at the at this event. I'm doing a half hour set, and also another song that's unreleased. I'll teach you how to fuck. Um, you want to come through and check that out? And also, like, I've got a Patreon. If you feel if you feel my plight and you have a five dollars you would like to contribute, please help me. Do get groceries. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, and if you're I, out here in the Boston area again or New York, let us know because we would definitely, definitely would have to come through and show our support if you're here on the East Coast. Um, I wish I wish I had known when you were out here the last time. Um, we would we definitely went out there and supported you, and um, definitely gonna definitely a fan. Definitely gonna stay in touch with yeah. you as you're on this journey. Um, Keith, anything you want to shout yeah. out? Uh, y'all go check out my merch. It's based on my, me and Hank, Chuck, Flav, Griff, Rap Crew, Spectrum City. Uh, I got a lot of merch over there. T-shirts, hoodies, keychains, cups, whatever y'all want to do. SpectrumCity.shop. SpectrumCity.shop. I'm actually writing yeah. that down so I can go over and yep. check it out and share Spectrum the links. Spectrum City's got hats. Yeah, SpectrumCity.shop. Okay. And y'all, y'all can find me on all social media. Mainly, I'm on I'm on Instagram a lot, and I'm on TikTok a little bit. Um, and Twitch. And Twitch. Oh, and Twitch. And everything's on the you, key shop. You still DJ, or do you just produce man, straight producing? Nah, I, man, I'm DJ. I'm going to London in two days for the rest of the month. DJing. There you go. I don't know. I'm, I still DJ. I I do vinyl now. Not do vinyl now. Play forty fives and digital. Well, my tech game go. is nuts. My tech game there is crazy. You go. 
You yeah, know, so. and like I said, you know, I, I got I'm, I'm I have a track tour. Um, I actually was hit by a car back in February, so I haven't been able to DJ all year. Because um, when I DJ, I jump around, I wear masks and all these yeah. crazy stuff. And um, I, I, I wasn't able to do it, so I missed being out there. I got a buddy, he's on Twitch. He's doing this stuff on Twitch whenever he gets a chance. But um, real quick, before we let you go, man, real quick, coming up, what was it like for you that, that you know, you, you like you said, you come from Long Island, Queens and stuff, and... You guys go over and and you're playing in these crowds where it was just all white white people, and here you are, public enemy, nation of Islam. What? How surreal is that? I got to hear from somebody because we seen it and I felt I seen it and I felt it. And I'm like, damn, they must be like, what the? We got the S one, you know? We out here on stage doing all this stuff. But the white kids is rocking with us. Like Mike, my man Mike Jordan. I grew up with this white kid, Mike Jordan. Mike Jordan was one of the biggest public enemy fans, like, like out there. Coming up, this kid, this dude would buy the tapes. The CDs would come out. Mike Jordan be reciting your music. And then you came up with that. Like I said, what was it like? It had to be craziness. It was a point proven because I've converted Mandy to Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an asshole. I've got jokes. It, it, no, it, it was, it, listen, it was about just doing things that we felt. You know, hmm. you know we just, like, believe it or not, man, the racial divide on Long Island is nuts. And then you, you know, there's places where you couldn't even, uh, you, you couldn't even walk. Listen, you know the Baldwins, Alec Baldwin and all of them? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. They lived in the next town next to us. Roosevelt used to always have beef with Merrick. And they was all white. And Roosevelt was all black. I, we, had, we had those kind of shit. Lindsay Lohan then lived over there too. So mm. we, not to say that we was, deal, we was beefing with them, but just mm. the concept of what it was on Long Island. You know, and that kind of shit that we saw. Chuck went to Adelphi, which is in the rich neighborhood of Garden City. If we missed the last bus going to take us back to the main road because we had the radio show, we didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. We had to walk through Garden City, which all the big mansions. The police would make sure we follow us until we are escorted out the block, mm. which is only a mile, which is only a mile walk because we're not supposed to be in that area at a certain right. time, even though there's a college in that place where a lot of black kids go to. That's so crazy. those things that, that we, we saw, we dealt with, you know? Um, and then the other side, I mean, all right, there's the drug dealers, but then there's us families that has father, mother, nice cars, during the drug era, we get pulled over like we all drug dealers. That's the worst. And like, yet. we all are drug dealers. Like, there's every, their brother's hustling. We have that, yes. But all of us has looked at that. What are you doing with this nice car? It's my parents. Y'all ain't supposed to have that. <laughs> I got stopped by the police in the seventh grade going to my friend's house because I had the day off because I went to private school. 
uh, Lutheran private school. We get days off at the public schools. Didn't they harassed me. Thought I was cutting school. And until my friend's sister came out the house, that's when they left. Mm. Because she told them, we all off of school today. So we had that going on. And this is the 70s. Mm. Right. Right, right. I'm going to show you how much love, how much love my man. I was just talking about my man, Mike Jordan, being the white friend when I grew up, Mike Jordan, and how much he loved Public Enemy. Like, Mike Jordan, like I said, he's this white kid, long hair. Growing up, Public Enemy could do no wrong. I just texted him and said, I'm interviewing Keith Shockley, Public Enemy, right now. All of a sudden, in the chat, boom, Mike Jordan's right in here. That's how much so Mike- love my man, Mike Jordan. <laughs> But you know one one other thing why I guess we gravitated to a lot of white kids. Yep, yep. Um yep. It's especially in in New York too. Um we spoke about things that they like to fight about. Like they like to go against the grain. Mm. White kids like especially out here, they like to go against the grain. And we kinda touched them with the things that we're saying. That's why, you know, we we those ninety percent white kids that are at most of our function. Can I say something as a white kid who was in love with Public Enemy? Go ahead. Go ahead, Manny. I was. Say something. I really was. Like, it was like, holy shit. Like, the music as as an aspiring, you know, um, radical, I I wanted to speak against authority. Yes, that's a natural teenage thing to do. Also, there's a line in one of Jay's songs where I took rap across the road, let it walk through the hood, where they're up to no good. I took pop across the road, let it walk through the hood. It, that made sense to me because it was like I suddenly had a very specific access to a very specific perspective, a very sp- uh, specific life experience that I wasn't seeing as a white teenager in Toronto growing up in Canada. So I didn't know there was a power to fight until I heard fight the power. And then I was like, what? Mm. Then I was like, what? And then listening to the lyrics and being like, I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened it, read it, said they were suckers. They wanted me for the army or whatever. Like, I'm like, what is happening to black people in America? Like what the fuck? So it's like, I don't know what to do as a white child, how to help in Canada, but I can love the shit out of this music because I want to see things change. People like say to me in my show, like you rapped. I do, I do Renegade. It's one of my favorite songs to Jay-Z and Eminem. Um, And people are like, you rapped that shit like you lived it. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I did. I, I feel like, I feel like I did because I care so much and I don't know what to do. It's like, all I can do is love, 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 love. That's all I know how to do. And maybe now, with this thing that's happening for me, this platform, maybe I'll be able to do more. I hope to God that it continues to grow and I can do something tangible for this, you know, community that's given me so much. But like, it was an education. And and it, I don't know if that speaks to other white kids. I'm sure there's lots of reasons. But for me, it was like, I want to support this thing that's like wrong. I want to change it, you know? Mm. My man Mike is right in this chat. He said Chuck D I, was what? a street preacher. He said you listen to every word. Mike Jordan also said <clears throat> Rage Against the Machine continued the movement that Public Enemy started. That comes right from my man Mike Jordan. That's how much he respected Public Enemy. 
Um, guys, we're at eight o'clock. I got to continue on with the rest of the show, but I got to take my guest. Man, this is crazy. This was crazy. If you was to tell me two weeks ago when I was bumped, like I said, I was just bumping Night of the Living Baseheads in my vengeance last week. I was rocking Bring the Noise with Anthrax last week, and people was like, yo, like, and if you was to tell me that I'd be interviewing Keith Shockley of Public Enemy just a couple of weeks later, bro, <laughs> I'm blessed. I am truly oh blessed. Thank you. Thank oh you. Thank you. Couch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for both of you coming on uh, here again. Tell them where to find you, Mandy. Manda Murhead on Instagram. Uh, Ms. Mandy May Cheatham on uh, the TikTok um mandy just search mandy mayhem find my patreon that's where all the good stuff is cool just cool cool i'm just hanging around. <laughs> around on instagram doing stupid shit just go get my merch <laughs> spectrum city dot shop get a t-shirt get a t-shirt spectrum, get dot shop i'm gonna drop it in the chat and um it's good stuff it's good stuff we're gonna take a quick break because I gotta, I gotta finish up the show. I got a whole bunch of topics I gotta talk about, but I gotta get, let these guys get out of here. I'm gonna take a quick break. We're gonna be right back with more booth after this. Hold tight, everybody. All right. Thank you. All right, it's your boy Sinister One broadcasting live from the City of Champions. Man, I am blessed. Blessed! Blessed! Yo, I still, I got to knock out the rest of this show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in who's in the chat. Tyson Go, I got your events I'm going to be talking about when I close out the show. Morgan E. Hawk is in the chat. Thank you for being you. Mike Jordan, thank you for tuning in. I had to, I had to text. You guys don't get it. Me and Mike Jordan, we grew up together. I knew this kid since he was like seven years old. And Mike Jordan was one of the biggest public enemy fans out there. When when public enemy hit, Mike Jordan was like, oh my God. You know, and 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 when I told him <laughs> that I had Keith Shockley on from Public Enemy, Mike Jordan come right. It was so funny. I I you couldn't even count. How fast it took for Mike Jordan to get in here and 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 see the legendary Key Shockley of Public Enemy on this show, Steve Rita. But I got to get into this show and and, and get this show <laughs> closed out. Um, in the news booth, it was an embarrassing night. Four takeaways from the school district meeting and in, involving the money that was lost. Um, some of the things that have coming out during this audit that there were some people who had access to the software and were able to cut checks that shouldn't have been able to cut checks. Um, it was a loophole, which is one of the things I did mention. I did see um, John Williams in here, and this was one of the things I said the audit will know. And I had said that that was one of my concerns. Did they have a loophole 
to to bypass the restrictions that the software had. And it looks like that's kind of what happened. And there were people who were making withdrawals and taking monies that shouldn't have been, they weren't authorized and they shouldn't have been um, taking stuff. So this is going to get kind of ugly. Um, they're going to get to the bottom of this. And that's why certain people weren't in the know. Um, but it's going to be taken care of. Also, let's get into the legal booth. Singer Jason Derulo is being um, alleged in a lawsuit that he expected sex from Amaza Gibson, which you see pictured here. And because she didn't give up the sex, um, he blacklisted her, had her blacklisted in the business so she couldn't get a deal with anyone else. That's what she's claiming. Um, we're going to see about this. And um, I'm going to be trying to get an interview with um, <clears throat> Vianna Marie to talk about this. Steve Reeder, I see you in the chat. What's going on? In the entertainment booth. Singer David Ryan Harris is accused of trafficking his biracial kids by American Airlines staff. And uh, here's the scary thing, people. The scary thing is, is that this is, this is the third time that this has happened in this year where a parent has been accused of trafficking a child because their child is racially mixed or whatever. Um, it's scary to think that... Child sex trafficking is so bad in this world that we now have deputized airline stewardess, you know, airline stewardesses and, and, and attendants as, because you can't call them stewardesses no more, it's attendants, um, as the last line of defense. <clears throat> to where you've got to assume if somebody is, is trafficking a child, it's kind of crazy, it's kind of scary that this world has evolved to that, and it should let people know how serious sex trafficking is. Uh, also, Chris Rock is to direct a Martin Luther King biopic. Steven Spielberg is set to executive produce. <laughs> you heard it here in the booth. Just, just, just give him the Oscar. Just give him the Oscar. Chris Rock has been doing some stuff behind the camera and has been real good. And now you've got Steven Spielberg with Deep Pockets as the executive producer. Just give him the Oscar. I can't wait to see who they cast to play MLK. I, I can't wait. Uh, the true story behind Dumb Money is on Netflix. For those who don't remember about Dumb Money, it actually started right here in the city of Brockton. Keith Gill who almost, he drove the GameStop stock crazy, Keith Gill did. Him and his little crew, um, for about six months, they made a ton of money off of, off of GameStop stock, which was had announced they were going out of business and they were closing locations. And these guys went in and they took it to the elitists. They beat the elitists at their own game. I'm going to have to check this money movie out. Dumb money. Also, in the entertainment booth, Iron Claw. The poster has been released. Iron Claw is the movie that's coming out at Christmas about the Von Erich family. For those who watch professional wrestling, if you have no idea who the Von Erich family is, then you, you know nothing about wrestling. Get off the show. I, I don't even want to see you here. Um, look, look, look. If, 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 if <clears throat> Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. If you don't know who the Von Erichs are, and you talk about you're a wrestling fan, sit down. I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> Simple as that. 
Uh, Michael Myers. <clears throat> the guy who played Michael Myers in the Halloween movies, Tyler Maine, one of the one of the guys. Uh, he says Britney Spears at risk with prop knives, just like we said. Those prop knives are just as dangerous as real knives. That whole spin on prop knives is crazy. What's up, Corey G? Corey the Barber. Eastside Cuts, what's going on? Uh, if you guys watch right here, Fastlane was this Saturday night. AEW's former champion, Jay Cargill, showed up at WWE's Fastlane, got out of the limo. And what was weird is, Jay Cargill shows up to WWE Fastlane in wrestling attire. <laughs> and meets Triple H. But she ain't wrestling. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, I'm like, Jay Cargill gets out the limo. She's in wrestling attire. But she ain't wrestling for the night. Why? I get it. They want to show off that product. <laughs> Triple H wanted to show off that product and let people know, you know. And so I heard, I heard somebody say, Oh, steroids, this and steroids. I'm like, I'm like, y'all don't know the background of Jay Cargill. Jay Cargill was a fitness instructor who became a wrestler. She was on Instagram. She got her following because she was this fitness instructor. And then one of her friends said, hey, you should get into wrestling. And then that's how this whole thing blossomed. Um, and she's become this, this superstar. WWE's paid her, but again... Let's just put her in NXT, let her build herself up. Don't throw her to the wolves right away and ruin her like you ruined everybody else. In the sports booth, the Belichick memes continue. The Patriots are shut out to the Saints 34-0. I see everybody on social media. They were talking all this crap about Met um, Felicia in the chat. says, weren't mostly all the Vaughn Eric boys suicides. Yes, that, that it wasn't just the boys. That, that whole family... Some said was cursed. They say that that Von Erich family was cursed. I think one of them was a car accident, though. I think one of the Von Erichs was was a car accident. Um, for those who watched uh, the Fox Wrestling um, early back in the day on Fox 25, you used to watch that world-class championship wrestling from down south with the Von Erichs, Iceman King Parsons, um, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Where, and, and when that folded... <clears throat> the the death of the Von Erichs is what kind of killed that promotion, which is what led that promotion to move a lot of those people to WCW. That's that's kind of what happened there. But um, I can't wait. The movie comes out in December. Um, I'm definitely going to look at it. Uh, Mike Jordan says the Patriots suffered the Drake curse on Sunday. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, get rid of Mac Jones, and I was like, look, watch what's going to happen when Bailey Zappi gets in. Well, guess what happened when Bailey Zappi came in? It was the same old, same old. Second and 14, second and 13, second and 16, second and 17, second and whatever. If you can't have an O-line open holes and let your running backs run, you have no game at all. You can't. If you can't get that running game on, you, you can't, nothing's going to get done. You can't pass the ball to your tight ends. You can't do dilly squat. And until they do that and get a running game going, because you should have a running game going with Ezekiel Elliott and Rondre Stevenson in the backfield. And we watched one play where they stuffed, Demario Davis came in and stuffed Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, in the backfield for a loss of six. Demario Davis is an effing linebacker. Okay? This isn't, this isn't a Mac Jones problem, people. There's a lot more going on here. It's such a big problem that Belichick and Bill O'Brien have decided 
that the starting over process has begun. They're just going to start over. They're starting the whole thing over. Well, it's hard to start over when most of your players are hurt and gone because the injury bug is laying waste. And we're going to get into this injury bug after I talk about Peyton Pritchard signing a four-year, $30 million extension to stay with the Celtics after talking about he wanted to be traded. Now, this kid was shooting lights out. He wasn't getting any playing time. And I was wondering back, I'm like, why isn't Pritchard out there? This kid can play. He wasn't getting playing time. He wanted to be traded. But now after they've made all their moves and stuff, they've signed him. I'm pretty happy because Peyton Pritchard is a guard that can shoot from the outside. This kid, this kid can play. This kid can play. And also, before I get into these injuries, Stephon Diggs, I tweeted and, and posted about this. Stephon Diggs scored a touchdown against Miami um, a week ago. And he took two cans of beer from a fan, and he did the Stone Cold. He didn't drink. He just smashed the cans and did the Stone Cold for his TD celebration. Guess what? The No Fun League has decided to fine Stephon Diggs for his Stone Cold celebration. Come on now. I hope the NFLPA appeal that. Appeal that crack. That, that's, that's crazy. Um, also, here we go. Breaking news all across the league. If you're a fantasy football guy... <clears throat> You're in tears. There's a lot of us. We in tears right now. Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Devon Arcane. Guess what? Knee. Possibly done for the season. He's been running all over the place like a madman. Also, <laughs> yeah, we got Emmanuel Mosley, cornerback. He's coming back after being out of the year for his ACL. Mosley takes the field. Guess what happens? He blows out the ACL on the opposite leg. He's gone for the season. And if you watch the Vikings game, Jason, <laughs> Justin Jefferson went down, pulled a hammy. They're talking at least four weeks. Four weeks. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Somebody said in the chat, Malik Cunningham. Guess what? Malik Cunningham might be the guy to help the Patriot Woes, to help get this running game going because he's a mobile quarterback. He can get outside the pocket, but he's going to have to run for his life. He's going to have to run for his life because the O-line, is it sucks. And Malik can't do that for the entire game because we all seen what happened to Lamar Jackson. We all seen it, you know. It, it's exciting. It's great. But um, it ain't happening. That old that that O-line is horrible. We got to get the you know, wide receivers back. And um, we got to do what we got to do. Corey said, why is he still on the practice squad? Because they had, at least he can run. I know, they need they need to run. They need they need to get that run game going. Without that run game, you can't do nothing. In the Biden bombshells, because I got to wind this show down. It's 825. Hamas terrorist attacked Israel <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> and Israel responded in Israeli fashion. If you guys remember, uh, what's her name that plays Wonder Woman? She was an Israeli soldier. She, She's no joke. <laughs> she's no joke. The Israeli military is no joke. Um, they bombed Hamas today. Looking like six, seven, maybe 1,200 people killed. Bombed. Didn't care. Bombed them. And they've already declared war. This is, and this is it, people. If you read your Bible... Luke 17, I forget what else it is. But if you read your Bible, all of what's going on right now is in your Bible. It's, it's, it, it, it's coming. It's coming. What's up, Glenn? 
Glenn says, what's up? Corey says, save them for when they have a decent offensive line. Don't want to get them hurt and still suck. Right. Right. Exactly. Because the O-line is horrible. And I thought the Giants' O-line was bad. But man, oh man, oh man. <laughs> that Patriots' O-line is horrible. And it was crickets. It was, you know, it was funny because it was. When when people were like, oh, yeah, people were on Facebook. They were cheering when Zappy came in. Then after Zappy went in there and went three and out, you know what the people were like on Facebook? <laughs> That's exactly how you all were. That's exactly how you all were. It's the same. It was the same old, same old. <laughs> oh, man. Also, in the Biden bombshells, we got to get ready to get out of here. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. dropped the bombshell. He took some time off, came pulled back from the presidential race. People were wondering what the hell was going on. He was actually a Democratic nominee to, to try to see if he was going to run for the Democrats. He came back and just announced that he's going to be independent. RFK has dropped the Democratic presidential bid. He's entering as an independent. Um, people a little bit more, hopefully a little bit more smarter. Um, pay attention. Kennedy could be a good independent threat. I know Steve Reeder was in this chat two weeks ago. He was talking about RF Kennedy after being, you know, a solid Republican guy. Um, but yeah, um, we're going to see. We're going to see. Hey, I, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show, um, hanging out with me, hanging out with us. Everybody in the chat, I want to thank Mandy... Mandy Mayhem for coming on the show. I got to look. I was blessed to be blessed with public enemies. Hank Shockley on the show. Blessed. Blessed. I'm ecstatic right now. But again, I got to thank everybody for coming on this show, supporting me, helping me out. Um, the beanies were out there. They're all gone. I, I got to try to figure something out. All the shows I produce, Food Bar Studios, um, Maddie C Sports for you and me, Oscar Mike Radio, the Triangle Offense Podcast, all these shows. Also, Platinum City Gaming, 75 Cent Wings, every NFL football game, Platinum City Gaming, 75 Cent Wings. That can add up fast, though, if you eat a lot of wings. Also, my man John Howard, MMA fighter, um, he has an event coming up October 14th. If you guys remember, uh, John Howard's kids um, were victim were involved in this shooting that happened. Um, they also have a number event on October 19th. Um, his daughter was the one that was shot in the head. Um, they have a live amateur boxing night. Also, another event for John Howard's kids is going to be in Natick. Uh, that's a $20 drop-in fee. All that money goes towards his kids. Uh, the Pink Out is coming up October 21st at the VFW 12 to 5. Viana Marie is performing at that event on the 21st. Also, Pat Global presents the City Talent Show, Shine Like a Star, Thursday. And it's going to be uh, Enter the Win Prizes, Scan the Code, 5 o'clock. Also, vote for Jamie E. Hodges. Uh, she sent her thing in for War Two School Committee event. Um, this is going to be November 1st at the Cape Cod Cafe. Remember, your voice, your vote, these people here have sent their banners to be posted so you can elect or, or support them. Um, as I said, these are banners that are sent to me so they can be posted. Jamal Braithwaite, he's running for city councilor at large. 
Uh, again, reminder, vote is coming up. November 7th is fast approaching. Jean Bradley, Duran Court Council at Lodge. Let's move Brockton forward together. Again, November 7th, remember to vote. Cynthia Hodges running for Counselor at Large. Again, we are better together if I am your choice. You will always have a voice. Steve Hook, Counselor at Large. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Steve Hook, who runs BEMA, Brockton Emergency Management. Um, again, November 7th, Steve Hook for Brockton.com. Jamie Hodges, whose event is coming up. She's running for War II School Committee, making sure all your children have a voice. That's Jamie Hodges' banner. And then Cynthia Rivas-Mendez, you saw her on the show about two weeks ago. She's running for Ward 5 School Committee, and she's been very involved with this audit and thing that's been going on. The Remy TV 2024 Influence Awards is May 18th. And then there is another event that I had to, I want to mention. Um, let me see here. Um, also, Viana Marie, check that out. Kimberly Ann Empowerment Photography. And that's about it. There was something else I want to mention. There was another event that I also want to mention before I get out of here. Hold on here. I'm going to pull this up. Boom, boom. Oh, I think there was one more event that somebody had sent me. And to be honest, I want to make sure that I mention it. Tyson Go. That city one was one of theirs. And I believe they have a second event that's coming up, don't they? Uh, if you're in the chat, Tyson, please let me know. Tyson, go. Oh, the 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 um, the charity fight night was his event, so I did mention that. That's October nineteenth, the charity fight night live amateur boxing. That's gonna be held on Warren Ave, three forty Warren Ave at five p.m. I actually did mention that. That was actually before the talent show event. So again. Everybody, I want to thank you for coming on. As you guys can see, I got off the train last week. And I'm now in a safe place. The zombies are outside. They can't get in. I'm in the lobby while they get the rest of this building straight um, next week. I'll probably show you more of this building while I'm dealing with this zombie apocalypse here right now. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, the city council debates will be held at the middle school. Um, the NAACP is going to be overseeing those debates. And I got to thank everybody for tuning in, hanging out the show. Tyson Go, thank you for tuning in. Get those flyers to me um, whenever you have events, and they'll get mentioned on the show. And um, again, SpongeBob, if you're out there, do me a favor and take us home. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick, my main. We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang. I miss. 
those days, which was easy. If only I made it, this shit on repeat. Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate, but y'all think I'm playing. And I got a hit now for these weak ass hoes who think I ain't slaying. Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing because I never back down. I'm that chick with a clean ass whip. I don't need that shit, cause I got my own now. I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's www.com W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's www.com